Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life. I'm an example just to show people that like, you come up from nothing. Prince had dedicated his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. I'm going to uphold that. You're your own worst critic. I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that, and I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. Some people are at their cubicle job right now making way less than us. Some people are across the world in a goddamn sweatshop making like nothing a day, and we're getting paid to sing and dance. To sing and dance, that's a blessing. Artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. Yo, this young murder. Yo, this is Lizzo. This is August Regal. What's good? It's Kehlani. This is your man, Blake Carrington. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And my guests today on The Come Up Show are they, who are a Los Angeles-based music duo, Drew and Dante. You might have heard of some of their hits like Motley Crue, Back It Up, You Right. I really enjoyed my conversation with them. We talked about their upbringing, how they got into music, what the live performance is like. And speaking of live performance, they're going to be back here in Canada, Ontario, north of Toronto at Way Home Arts and Music Festival, July 28th to 30th, alongside Frank Ocean, Solange, Schoolboy Q, Danny Brown, Jazz Cartier, No Name, Russ, and so much more. You can find out more information and get your tickets right now at wayhome.com. They on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! Please introduce yourselves. Well, I'm Drew Love. And I'm Dante Jones. And we are they. When you put it like that, like that, like that, like that, you right. Nigga think you got it like that when I act like that, all right. I'm about to have to backtrack, backtrack, track on fact. You right. You right. You right. You right. You right. How's it going, guys? Welcome to Toronto it's for the great, third man. time. Toronto's amazing, man. It's like one of my favorite places to go. Every yeah, single time. yeah. What are the vibes that you get from the city? A lot of inspiration. A lot of chill. The girls are beautiful, first of all. And then just the inspiration and the vibes. And every single time we do a show out here, the crowds are always amazing, too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love the, the diversity of the city, too. You know what I'm saying? There's definitely a lot of culture out here. And you can see that a lot of different cultures came together out here as well. So it's really dope vibe to kind of see especially coming from other cities in the region like you don't really get that as much mm-hmm. and and you guys are both from uh denver and i'm from dc dc yeah. denver and dc so uh let, let's let's both start let's start from the beginning on how you guys both got into music uh dante you were writing poetry trying to impress your mom yeah, by yeah. singing old Motown songs true. yeah that, that was, was me oh sure. that was you yeah i was okay so I, my middle name is langston so i was named after Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes. Okay. Um, so I felt once my parents told me that I was like, oh, I must, I must be meant to be a poet. So I started trying. I bought a bunch of Langston Hughes anthologies and poems and stuff like that. Okay. Started trying to write. Mm-hmm. And my mom was bumping Motown in, in the whip all the time, so I was always wanted to, to like impress my mom all the time. I was always kind of a little bit of a mama's boy. Um, so I would I would try to listen to as much Motown as possible, sing it in the shower, so that by the time I got back in the car, my mom again, I could impress her on how much I knew. So that's kind of where my, you know. And what was it? What was the reaction when your mom? Is she like, shut up, boy, you yeah. can't sing, or she <laughs> yeah, like encouraged how, you? Yeah, or? That's that's yeah. how it was with my brother when I was in the yeah. show. You like, shut yeah. up, Ugh. you're not good. 
<laughs> Shut up. Now, you know, I just we just did the New York City show and he came after after the show. He's like, are you serious? Is this the same? You remember when you used to sing in the shower and you used to suck? <laughs> now, mm-hmm. so, I, you know, but that that's how my whole whole thing started. And um, I started writing poems and that turned into like kind of writing songs and, you know, recording. And I had my I bought my first MXL uh, microphone, 990. And had it downstairs and started like kind of rapping in the bass with my friends, and then it, and then I bought Pro Tools and kind of got got into Pro Tools and put my first couple songs online, and I got in uh, somebody heard it and invited me out to L.A., and then that's when I met this dude because I was songwriting for like Jeremiah, and you know a few others in the game or whatever, and he was producing for other people, and so we had a session, um, just on on some songwriting thing, and. We just kind of clicked, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and then that's when the music started to get made. Mm-hmm. And Dante, it was your big brother, or yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I grew up in in a family that wasn't necessarily a musical family. Like they weren't in, nobody played any instruments or anything like that. But both my parents were very into music and always like really stayed up to date with the different types of music and stuff that they listened to. So, and I was always just like a music nerd. You know, I'd sit down in my basement and watch like video after video after video after video just to see what was going on. i basically just leave it on MTV all day and just whatever video block they had on, I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that gave me a lot of different stuff that I was into, but to actually like make music, yeah, the, the inspiration came from my older brother. He was... Um, you know, he actually moved out to L.A. Um, back in, like, the early 2000s and moved back. And when he moved back in, he had, like, MPC, he had, like, a keyboard and stuff like that. He was trying to actually learn how to make make music. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I, well, I want to be like him. I want to be like Marvin. So mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how I can make beats. And how many years older than you was he? Uh, he was he was a lot. He was thirteen years older than me. So okay, he's, yeah, so you truly a big brother, big big brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's I'm, no I'm, way that you cannot look up to him. Exactly. That much yeah. Older than I'm you. I'm yeah. I'm number four out of five. So okay. That's like, but he was always the one that like I looked up to. Like him and him and like Chauncey Billups were like <laughs> basketball teammates and stuff like that. Like, yeah. So. What, what do you mean, him and Chauncey Billups are or like in high in college or in middle school, high Mid- school? Okay. Um, they no, they didn't play together in college. College, they went to do two different D one schools. Mm-hmm. But Marvin's a cool guy, and that's why I shot him out on a on on you ride as well. Um, but yeah, so basically, I would just kind of go down there and sneak, and and he'd hear the beats. He'd be like, "Man, you you you're like better than me." <laughs> like, and I, he's like, "I thought I was okay, but you're better than me." Like two weeks in, I'm like, "Oh, dope." So I, I always kind of kept that in the back of my mind. I didn't really start taking it like super super serious until like after high school. Um, I finally like I was like I'm you know I'm gonna try to figure out how to do logic and all all that stuff. So, you know I, I started getting better. Met a producer Brian Kennedy. Um, that he was working with like Rihanna, Chris Brown, a few other people at the time. And um, he was like, yeah, come out to LA, just come come work with me. So the first trip, I meet everybody. I meet Katy Perry. I meet like all the biggest <laughs> writers. I meet Frank Ocean. I meet. You know, mm-hmm. like the the biggest artist in the game. So like I was like, all right, I'm about to finish up school and move out here. First week I moved out, I got a song with Kelly Clarkson, just from you know working with him and just hanging around him. I mean, worked really closely with Chris Brown for a long time and CeeLo. And but I always I always kind of had this thing where it's like, I I listened to so much music that I had so many different influences. I always wanted to do something that was going to be a little bit more. Um, just a little bit more like progressive and a little bit more impactful and a little bit more 
true to what I've I've really really heard in music instead of trying to do stuff for other people. So I kind of fell back from the whole like placement scene. Went and got my own studio, and then within about three months of me getting my own studio, I uh, I linked up with him, and, and here we are today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what was it like though the the first trip to L.A. You're meeting Katy Perry and all these people. Like your mind must have been blown, or like I gotta be here. Or something. Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was surreal because at the time I was going to college in Oklahoma. And you know to go get it, go from Oklahoma City and show up in L.A. and boom, I'm in the studio. I'm in like like one of my favorite writers still to this day is James Fonteroy, and I got to sit down and watch him like create a song from scratch. And then boom, like like I said, Katy Perry walks in, just super nice, unassuming. Then Natasha Bedingfield, and just all these like at the time like just big big artists and stuff like that. And you know I actually made a tweet about. Um, when I met Frank Ocean, because he walked in, he played like three songs off of Nostalgia Ultra. At the time, he was still going by Lonnie. Um, and I just remember, like, I'd never heard anything like that. I came off like a complete, like, just stand, like, just, oh, that's so tight, bro. <laughs> bro, that's so tight. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I'm like, <laughs> a year later, he drops the, uh, he drops the mixtape and, you know, it's the biggest thing, but it, it, was, it was like a shock, and it was inspiring, too, because I got to see, like, all the biggest studios, East West, Record Plant, Boom Boom Room, just a lot of, like, the biggest, like, most popping studios at the time, mm-hmm. so it was, it was just, like, it gave me that inspiration. It, it, that, regarding that tweet that you just mentioned, yeah, you tweeted, like, uh, you know, I was in a room with Frank Ocean when you played Swim Good, and I've been yeah. chasing that ever since. What do you mean by you've been chasing it ever since? I mean, when I heard that song... It, I had never heard anything like that before in my life to where it was hard yet melodic and still organic sounding and still like but still had that pop sensibility to it like, and it's still one of my favorite songs to stay but I remember that moment like damn like this this is something that I'm not that is, is like next level and I, I always wanted to try to create something that was like that level of that record mm-hmm. or at least had that feel of, of what he was doing um and yeah, like you know, hopefully one day I achieve it. Maybe I'm I'm sure we definitely have a high, few high points on on the album. But it's just like that song, particularly to me, was kind of defined. Like, okay, boom, this is what I always wanted to do, or what I always thought music could be. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, a lot of people move to L.A. Right. or New York, and in here in Toronto as well too. There's still a lot of our producers, and people always got to go to L.A. So was it like that? Was there a big thought process or decision making or nervousness be, like before going out to L.A. or was it just more chill because people are like, all right, I'm gonna go to L.A. to pursue my dreams. Right. Yeah. Well, for e- for each of us, it was it was different because for me, I, I made that trip and I probably made like four or five more trips before I like officially was like, boom, I'm backing up all my stuff. I'm gonna be out here. Whereas like Drew just he had had you been to L.A. before? No, I I ain't never been to L.A. before that. You know what I mean? It was L.A. was to me like the big city of dreams. All that I came out there, you know, on my high horse. I'm like, oh, I'm nice. You know, they got me out here, L.A. Like, watch out, like I'm here. You know what I mean? I was only supposed to be out there for two weeks, a couple weeks or whatever, and then I hit a stride and I just never really went back. I had to give my mom and dad that call, let them know like I don't think I'm I don't think I'm coming back. Um, I just it was just the feeling and the inspiration I was getting and the, the stuff I was able to write and you know, I was just getting so much inspiration and a feeling from being out there, you know, being in the circles and, you know, writing for this person, writing for this person, you know, being in just just amongst all these different producers and songwriters and people that I was looking up to and reading about, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm here and I don't wanna go back until I, you know, 
you know, until I really, really feel like I achieved something. You know what I mean? Because I felt like if I went back, I probably wouldn't end up coming back to L.A. again. You know, I'd probably get sucked back into the hole of, you know, where I was at. So uh, I decided to stay. And then sooner or later, I met this dude, Dante. And then just the way that he approached music was so left to center. He had this avant-garde but refreshing approach to it um, that I had never really seen before. He played me the beat for what became Africa. And I was like, yo, I have, what is this? I was like, yo, this is what we need to be working on. I was like, yo, just let me do my thing on this. Let me just turn it on, play it, play it. Let me, let me hop in here. And then, you know, you know, all that, all that became what it was. And we yeah. made so song one, the, song The things two. that attract you about LA is this creative hub, like the energy, the yeah. inspiration, everybody's there. And it's, it is important. Like our environment is important for us to be inspired and to push forward and to learn and grow. Yeah. Right. What are the, some of the things that you noticed that were really different about LA other than that? Because I'm starting to hear now, like, uh, for example, I don't know if you saw that article, Chance the Rapper, mm -hmm. he had to move back from LA to Chicago or wherever he's living because he's, he's, he felt like some of the energy there wasn't so positive. And I've been interviewing certain artists that said, you gotta be careful with LA. Oh, for sure. That there's some things there that you gotta watch out for. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's dog eat dog. Number yeah. one is everybody's out there trying to be something. You know, you're not, you know, especially if you're not, if you're not from LA, if you know, if you didn't weren't born there, or raised there, you're coming out there to achieve something. You know, whether you want to be a model, photographer, whatever, actor, actor yeah. musician, producer, whatever it is, like you out there to to really achieve something. Man, a lot, of, a lot of these dudes will step on anybody's toes to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, some of these dudes, it's their last chance. You know what I mean? So they they out there really really trying to achieve something. So. When you're having conversations with people, you really, really have to take it with a grain of salt because a lot of times it, people could be saying a whole bunch of things just so they can get to where they need to go. You know, a lot of it's not genuine, and you, you, you come to learn that. You know, you try, you come to L.A. at first, and you start trusting a whole bunch of people just thinking that what they say is what they mean, and it, you learn really quickly it's not that. You know what I mean? So as mm -hmm. long as you are able to have a good head on your shoulders and be able to take everything with a grain of salt and keep your keep a, a level head and keep a tunnel vision and keep focused and work just as hard as you. Because sometimes also people will get a little bit of success and it'll make them really complacent. And then they forget how, how hard it was that they worked to get there in the first place. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it does get it does get stress, stressful and it does get really, really um, testing. You know mm, what I yeah. mean? Because, yeah. No, I, I feel like L.A., um it's obviously the land of opportunity, and it, and it can really be an inspiring place because it's like people are really pushing. There's a certain drive, but yeah, there, like Drew was touching on, there's definitely like an air of, of desperation a lot in a lot of the rooms. When it, especially when it's like you're writing and you're like you have to live and die by the success of what you come up with that day. You know what I'm saying? Versus where it's like, you know, if you're somewhere else, you're you're more creating like for fun. You know what I'm saying? It becomes a job. But I think too, LA can definitely. If you're not ready for it, or if you're not ready for the success and the things that are going to be presented to you, it can definitely expose a lot of like weaknesses in a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of people um, kind of succumb to the the lifestyle per se out mm. there. Um, it's because yeah, it's like especially if you go out there like thinking that you're you're cool. It's like for me, I I I came out. And immediately got injected into like, all right, this, these are the big stars, and they're they're this or that. And two, I was I would say I was always fortunate that because I made so many trips, I already had like kind of like a built-in family of like people that I I knew and that like I we all hung out, we and all did work. the same exactly. But it it was bigger than music, and even to this day, like my best friend, 
that I grew up with in Denver lives in LA. Like he moved out there with me at the same time. So I think that's important too. It's just like kept you grounded. Yeah, you got to keep people around you that are like going to keep you grounded and and keep you. Because at the end of the day, it's like it starts with and it ends and it starts with you. I definitely get inspired. Like when I'm in London or New York, like I feel the vibrations. Like it's a different city, but it's I think at the end of the day, it comes from you. You know what I'm saying? Your ability to to express yourself and be yourself in those environments more so mm-hmm. than like the environment consuming you you know what okay. I'm saying so let's talk about uh, you guys are linking up with each other you're definitely feeling the energy and how different your work and uh, yeah. how new religion came about it seemed like it just happened the EP new religion yes oh, okay. yeah the EP yeah I mean yeah. what it was is like me and Dante first we clicked on a bro to bro level you know what I mean we're both a bunch of goofballs you know what I mean you're doing these little improv skits and he did a little improv skit in front of me and I thought it was hilarious and most people I guess don't necessarily get his yeah. humor <laughs> so it's like as like soon as in that studio happened, or just like just right in front of each other yeah just right yeah yeah, just yeah, right yeah. 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 a lot of, you know because both of us we like to do like voices and stuff and there's some people who would be like and you start doing like a funny voice or something like wait what's the what <laughs> right like, but wait. I instantly understood it and I was like oh this guy's funny you know what I mean so we got each other on that on that on that tip um, and then sports tip like we're big, big sports fans and things like that so like little things like that just instantly within the first meeting we clicked and then obviously when I started to hear his, his production talent it was a whole different level I was like okay cool I think the first thing we met we were doing a song for like Becky G or like Maroon yeah. 5 or something so, like that some random it wasn't a great <laughs> song wasn't great but Eventually, we started working on the on the left field stuff, and you know Africa was born. Back it up came within the first few sessions, um, and then we knew we had some. And I called him up. I was like, "Yo, what if we just actually kind of try to make a run at this as a group? You know what I mean? As opposed to just we just kind of doing it for fun at first. You know what I mean?" Um, and he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So within a, in the next few weeks, we kind of had the first three songs that we that we wanted to put together, which were Motley Crew, Back It Up. I mean, Back It Up and Bad Habits. Um, and then he had a best friend. The zoo situation was how Mind of a Genius kind of came about. Yeah, so we had the vision of what we wanted to do and what we were really trying to achieve. But as far as, like, how to get it out or whatever, we didn't really know. So we were just kind of... We were going to do it ourselves. Yeah, gonna, we, we were going to release it ourselves or whatever. But we were like, no, we feel like we have something special here. So we tried to basically do what the best thing that we could do is just like, ask our friends for help. One of my closest friends um, was Zoo. Um, who was blowing up at the time and, and, you know, was getting ready to do Coachella and do all these big festivals and stuff. So I show up to his um, to his studio, and he's, like, doing his lighting cues or something for a show. He's got his lighting people there. He's busy. He's like, no, nah, but David, um, he's in the next room. Like, go play. You should go play some stuff for him. David like, who? David Dan okay. from uh, Mind of a Genius. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. So I pop in. And I played him probably, we, I think at the time we had like seven songs, so I just played him the seven songs that we had. And he was like, uh, yo, this is different. Like, I've never never heard anything like this. Like, just let me, let me live with it for a bit, like, and wrap my head around it. Like, let me, let me figure this out. And then, you know, within like a week, all of a sudden I'm getting hit up by Zoo. I'm getting hit up by David and everybody over at Mind of a Genius. Like, yo, this, you guys have something here. We want to be a part of this. And I was like, okay, cool. Because, like I said, we didn't, we didn't really know. Like, we're creatives at the end of the day. I don't. I'm not like the one to come up with a release strategy or anything. Yeah, marketing and how do you? So yeah, yeah. So once we we all got to know each other, like all right, cool. Let's let's work together. Let's try to figure this out. Um, we came up with the concept for the EP and put it out, and, and immediately it just got like a, a really good reaction. Um, 
which we, we we knew that we had something special, but it was it was really dope to kind of get that affirmation that like, okay, like you're really on to something. People are really gonna resonate with it, you know. Because if it's just in there, it's like your private little SoundCloud link, and your friends say it's tight. It's like that's one thing, but to actually have like the world kind of respond to it the way they did, it was really it was a really dope moment. Mm-hmm. And what is the concept behind the name? First of all, they. What is the thesis of that? Because you guys have a a, a a like a meaning for that, and then new right. religion as well. So they started off, I mean, really simply. I, I always name my beats just random stuff, like just random words. And then I put I, I, each version of it that I do for each save, I put a period at the end and then point one, point two, point three. So the beat for Back It Up was called They.1. So he saw it, he's like, oh, that's kind of tight. Like, may, may we make that the name? Like, it's kind of like weird. It's, it's unorthodox. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll do that till we come up with something better. And you know, by the, by the time, even if we did come up with a better name, like, it, it just seems so fitting that, like, that was the name of the project. Um, because it kind of has this omnipresent thing. It's a little off-kilter. It's a little hard to kind of fit into, like, a sentence when you're referring to us as a group. But it's like a statement. Yeah, at the exactly. Same time, like a bold statement. Exactly. So, um, I mean, the, we plenty of people told us we should probably change the name just for, like, Google and shit. Google. But, you know, but SEO. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we were like, nah, we're just going to keep it. Just keep it what it is and keep what it's supposed to be. And it's a challenge in and of itself to take a name like that. And when you search it, to be able to make you the be the pop, first thing that pops up. And we wanted to tackle that. We were like, you know, we could do it. I think we could do it. Right. So, so the and then the EP name came from. Um, so we kind of touched on it a little bit. And when I was talking about being in L.A., but being in L.A. opens your eyes to a lot of stuff, too, you know, and, and what it really takes to really kind of be successful in this world not even be successful to be happy in this world that's positivity that's about progressing that's not getting caught up in the past that's not you're taking a lot of different elements of of this world and you're kind of combining them into one to progress things forward so new religion is a term that we came up with kind of an overarching term but at the end of the day it's about being an individual it's about embracing yourself it's about being positive it's about you know just being a progressive person who's going to do what they can to push culture forward and push themselves forward and, and they always try to progress. Um, so that that's where the term new religion comes from. It's kind of, It was a concept that we kind of came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's New Religion EP and the, new, the next chapter of that is the New Religion Hyena album. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And that that's really the message that we're trying to push is, is you know, be an individual, be different. So what you know? do you mean that L.A. opened your eyes to things of how to be happy or to be happy? You obviously saw things or people were doing um, that didn't end up to happen. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. speaking, you know, personally, personally but, yeah. um, you know, I came when I like I said, when I was coming from L.A. or coming to L.A., I came from Oklahoma, which is the Bible Belt. You know what I'm saying? The Rust or, Belt? Nah, not the Rust Belt, <laughs> okay. the Bible Belt. <laughs> but, um, but the Bible Belt is, you know, obviously, uh, it's like, you know, basic Christianity, which at its very core is like a very good thing, you know. But there's also other ways to look at, at some of the principles that they're teaching as well. And I wasn't really exposed to anything like that until I got to LA because you get there, there's so many different races and religions and, and, and ways of thinking and positive thinking and stuff like that. To where I, it being in that kind of type of environment exposed me to a lot of different ways of thinking, um, whereas opposed to when you're in like, I guess Middle America, it's a little bit more boxed in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And for the EP New Religion, you guys are uh, basically in house, no mm-hmm. features. You guys wanted to do it that way, and I was right. I was wondering like, cause I, cause you guys 
push each other. Mm-hmm. Of course. Very much so. And uh, how do you make sure that it's, you're not annoying each other? Or like, because oh, if you're brothers, you know, whether <laughs> yeah. it be say your actual family brother or whatever, <clears throat> if somebody that you love, like sometimes you may get annoyed. Oh, all the yeah. time, all the yeah. time. <laughs> of course. I mean, that's inevitable, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're working on a song; you just roommates. Like, eventually, yeah. everything that person does is gonna annoy you. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that um, we just both know that we're pushing towards something greater, pushing towards like the the, the best outcome for the song and the best outcome for the music above anything else so you know we we definitely there's certain times we get we're like oh no i think this or i think that but you know once we take a step back and really you know try to look at it for what it is it's like right okay boom like we know this is all for in the sake of the song it's not ego involved or anything like that mm-hmm. so after the ep comes out uh timberland gets a hold of the music like mm-hmm. hears it and right. invites you to the hit factory in miami yeah, so um, I was working with this company called Entourage Management at the time, and uh, one of them, Eric, his name is Eric, um, he'd, he'd hit us up and hit me up. He's like, yo, Timberland, messing with your stuff. He, he wants to invite you out to work. And I was like, what? And I was like, okay. Didn't really want to believe it until he said I called Dante immediately. I was like, yo, Eric said that Tim wants to work. With and he's like, oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. And then before you knew it, like, you know, day got closer. We actually got the flight itinerary and all that. And we were like, wait a minute. We're really flying out to Miami right now. Uh, we flew out there. And then we eventually, you know, we, we go to pull up to the factory. We actually sit down. And Tim walks in the room and sits down with a bunch of people. And we, and we were sitting kind of in the corner. And he's like, who are y'all? Y'all look like y'all important. <laughs> I remember him saying that. And I just had some random hat on or something. He's like, you look like y'all important. Then we told him who we were. He's like, oh, yeah, I messed with y'all stuff. I messed with y'all. He started playing to back it up and started singing all the words. And I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. Like, it's Timbaland right now. Like, And so we were working with him for a few days in Miami and a few days in Atlanta. That's where Dante's Creek came um, in one of those sessions. And we still got a couple other joints kind of stashed away that hopefully we can get a chance to finish. But it was his wisdom and his advice on just how to deal with the industry and how to just, you know, not to let too many things get to you and to keep a level head and to, you know, just with Dante, how he had a hands-off approach and kind of let Dante just do his own thing. You know what I mean? I admired that as well. Um, and, you know, Dante, I met a lot to Dante as well that whole trip. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime you walk in into a room and you see somebody that you, like, admired for so long. Timbo the King. Timbo the King. Exactly. He's he's one of the, he's my favorite producer ever, honestly, just the way he's always able to reinvent himself and to have him say that that our music is tight is just like, you know, there's no greater feeling for me. It's like, you know, if my 12, 13 year old self could only (laughs) know that I'm sitting there with Timbo and he, you know, I'd be freaking out. So, but like Drew said, it was dope. He gave us a lot of insight. He gave us a lot of words of wisdom. He gave us, you know, a lot of perspective as well. Um, on how how to sustain so I mean it was a great opportunity and, and we we continue to you know have a good relationship with them we we saw them a few weeks ago so mm-hmm. yeah what was the one takeaway that was like a words of wisdom that you're not gonna you guys are not gonna forget from that um I mean it's 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 cliche but it's still very true is that it's hard work over everything else you know it's never about being the most talented person it's about being the one who puts in the work um which is something that we already know but to hear it from somebody who you can clearly see that they've sustained for all these years it's like okay like that that makes sense
This interview is brought to you by Way Home Music and Arts Festival, July 28th, 30th. They are going to be there. And Frank Ocean, Solange, Schoolboy Q, Russ, Danny Brown, Jazz Cartier, No Name, and so much more. July 28th, 30th. You can get tickets and camping on sale right now at wayhome.com. And uh, Bryson, so Bryson Tiller gets a hold mm-hmm. that, I guess what, Timbo's promoting you guys or showing you guys mm-hmm. love on social media and invites you. Yeah, and, and to then, be on the on the trap soul tour. Yeah, we was in the Moog in the Moog headquarters, just sitting in the studio working on some stuff, and then Azad, which is our manager, he uh, he's like, I got somebody bring in for you. So he came and brought Bryson and Neil and everybody in there. Um, they sat down and basically was just like, you know, it's a mutual interest. You know, obviously I was bumping Bryson at the time every day in the car, um, and and he just said, you know, what I'm saying we want y'all to come on the tour, and I was like, oh. It was a no-brainer for us, you know what I mean? The dude's really, really talented. Um, I'm still a big fan. Um, and just that we had never performed before, which is a crazy and that's thing. that's what I was, yeah, like, uh, so, like, you've never, not as a duo, but you've never been on never. stage. No, okay. not at all. Okay. <laughs> Ever, like, I And this my, is, like, you know, Trap Soul Tour is, like, the yeah. scorching hot, like. Ridiculous. Every show sold out. Sold out. Yeah. In a couple days. Like, yeah. you know, insane, like, literally insane. A phenomenon. Um and so we took it, took, you know, we basically got thrown into the fire. But, you know, first show in Portland, it was crazy. We got a crazy reaction. The crowd was b- jumping and, and everything like that. And we were like, yo, we're really on to something. We can really do this. So we just took it upon ourselves to figure it out every single day, every single show, get better, you know, sit there and study, watch the tape. Yeah, how much practice <clears throat> and rehearsal went into that before you guys went on tour? Good enough. Um, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of it, but yeah. I, I don't think there's anything that can really, prepare you know, you. Yeah, yeah, prepare you. Especially or with it's thousands, like not even just the hundreds, it's thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we did our best, but I think the fact that we did have all those shows back to back to back, it kind of gave us the opportunity, like, every single night to just continue to refine the show until, you know, by the end of it, we, we really caught our groove and we're like, okay, like, we can actually do this. Because at first, it's like, I, you know, I hope I know what I'm doing, but now it's... Once you get like you know twenty shows in, you're like, all right, boom, I've got I've got it figured out at mm-hmm. least a little bit. We're still figuring it out every show. We still change things every every show. We're, now we're what hundred, well over a hundred shows in mm-hmm. over the past year. Um, but we're still continuing to just like refine and, and try to get better and, and work out the kinks of every song. So. Okay, and so uh, let's talk about current music. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's an energy to music right now. Like a, we're in a, kind of an exciting time, but like they, I saw. Uh, I read about this where you want it to be an extension about everything that you love about music and mm-hmm. quoting you guys. You want to inspire kids to make music and make them realize that there's, there's something that you can do by opening their minds to musical possibilities. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about that. Well, I mean, first and foremost, man, uh, we're in an era where there's a lot going on in the world. Whole you lot. Know, a whole lot. There's a whole lot to talk about. There's a whole lot to write about. And there's a whole lot of different ways to go about writing about it. You know what I mean? So that's why I feel like music is such a powerful tool, you know? As a musician, on a somewhat mainstream platform, you have a platform to really speak your mind and really influence the listeners. You know what I mean? Whether they're musicians themselves or whether they're mm-hmm. just they're just trying to, you know, they're just using their musicians as a, as a, as a form of inspiration. But it really irks me that <clears throat> we're in kind of a, a realm right now or a, an era where it's... In, in in urban music, you do have super super creative people, but then you also have the people that are are kind of settling for that mumble, 
mumble jumble, you know, not really saying too much. You know, you're talking about your girls and your Raris and your diamonds, and that's all you. That's the. That's all your life is about. That's all you guys. All you got to talk about. So I feel like that's one of the main things that me and Dante shared when we met each other. Is like we were kind of sick of that. You know what I mean? We we really feel like we had a a responsibility to kind of step up and at least you know say something else you know what i mean even if even if we weren't talking about super super philosophical or preachy topics but we were just talking about some everyday relatable talk topics but in a different way and with better production and with you know what i mean just took our time on music as opposed to cranking out seven songs in a day you know what i mean i think individuality is is the main thing behind the whole new religion idea um and we want to influence everybody else to be as individualistic as possible through their music and we want people to look at us as, as an alternative to all the other stuff that's out there right now. Because we really do have things to say and we really do have talent. And there's a lot of people out there with talent that feel like they have to kind of chase what everybody else is doing because it's a quick way to get the cash. But use your talent in the best way possible. Be individualistic and take your time and really make art. That's what music's supposed to be is art. From front to front, start to finish, an album is supposed to tell a story. You know what I mean? Take you on a journey. And I feel like some people kind of missed the mark and got a got a little bit lazy you know what i mean but there's a lot of there's a lot of inspiration in music nowadays and there's still a lot of tight tight stuff that's out there mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what do you guys think about uh what i'm coming across in uh the sing rap kind of where mm -hmm. i've known rappers who are like bars mm -hmm. are starting to sing mm -hmm. and a lot of people are starting to change their style to adapt to that because it's I don't know, it's what the frequency of what people want to hear now. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about, you know, incorporating that? Like, where's well, the balance? You, so in yeah. our music or just yeah. in music in general? Like, in music in general, like, well, I guess, like, the things like melodies and harmonies, those mm -hmm. are not new things, right? Right, right. Like, that's always been around. Well, that's, and that's yeah. the thing, man, yeah. is that, that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I like to think that I'm a student of, of music, popular music and hip-hop. And there's, I, so I don't, necessarily too much feed into what's what's trendy as like there's gonna be the downfall of music because I, I feel like every four or five years somebody says that you know what I'm saying like I think that good lyrics are always gonna resonate I think that good melodies are always gonna resonate and I think that you know that's that's always gonna be there now the thing that I mainly have an issue with is when people try to emulate somebody else you know what I'm saying like is when you're trying to actually when your melodies literally sound identical to somebody else's melodies when you're literally recycling the same lyrics over and over again just like switching one or two words out um, that's what I have an issue with I don't have an issue with any, anybody you know who's sing rapping or rap singing or maybe you're straight you know maybe you love Wu-Tang and, and what you're trying to do is, is make something like that you know what I'm saying or maybe or maybe you like you know Drake and but as long as you're doing it in your own way and doing it in a way that's creative in a way that's like fresh and new and doesn't sound like you're trying to just be like somebody else mm -hmm. I think that's that's where the power is but because you know I can remember back when you know I was like a Dipset fan back in the day like I always loved Diplomats and you know my like I told you my brother is a little bit older so he would come down and he'd be like Man, what is this? They're rapping off beat. They don't. They didn't rhyme the last two lyrics. Blah 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 blah. And they got these chipmunks in the background, <laughs> like with the sped up soul samples. Like he didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? But that that was my that was it made perfect sense to me. So you know now people probably it, now that's old school. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I I don't really feed into like oh it's gonna be the downfall because there's been plenty of people who said that about a lot of 
different trends, but it's mm-hmm. about not feeding into the trends so much, you know. Mm-hmm. So the album New Religion Hyena, mm-hmm. yeah, it's out right now, and you feel the reason why Hyena, you feel like some of the characteristics of Hyena match you guys, right? Please explain. Um. So yeah, I mean, just you you touched on it right now. It's it's. A hyena is a very specific type of animal. It takes characteristics from canine, feline, but at the end of the day, it's it's its own very distinct thing. It's its own very distinct or distinct species. And you know, we we've always even just like on the surface level, like thought hyenas were tight too. So, <laughs> um, but as far as the album, you know, we thought that that was kind of like a reflection on what we do. You know what I'm saying? It's a reflection of the music that's on there. You have a song like Dante's Creek, which is like like a guitar ballad. All the way to a song like What You Want, which is like some NERD stuff, to a song like You Write or Back It Up or whatever. It's obviously we're taken from all these different inspirations and all these different genres, but, you know, I think we can only really clearly define it as, as they. Like, it's, that's a they sound. Mm-hmm. And then, too, you know, we were also, you know, I, I was a little bit of like an outsider, like the different kid in school, and, and Drew was, was kind of in that role, too. And that's that's kind of like hyenas' roles in the animal kingdom as well. You know what I'm saying? They, uh, they, they're kind of out. out, out Outliers, the the outsiders said that the other animals don't really, you know, interact with that much. So mm-hmm. we kind of felt felt that. But same are still way. feared and respected. Exactly, exactly. What, what do you think uh, led to uh, maybe when I was growing up in high school, elementary school, uh, when I was listening to like hip hop fans just listen to hip hop. Right. Like people were boxed into the genres and didn't really explore outside that. Now, when I ask somebody on the street, like, what do you listen to? The number one answer I get is everything. Mm-hmm. Like, what led to that? to everybody like you know going I mean, outside the box i guess <clears throat> i think what i what led to it i'm not yeah. I, I don't Was it, some I, people I have said like the ipod right like, i say yeah. it's, it's technology yeah. it's, it's yeah. technology i mean you, yeah. you think of the way that you had to consume music let's say 15 years ago you went out and you bought albums or or even when it's like uh, something like limewire you you still had to know what you were looking for. So you had to seek out specific things. Now we're in a different culture. You have SoundCloud, which will playlist. You'll, you'll, you'll play one song and then it'll just, it has an algorithm to predict something else you might like. Or which is like pretty you good just by the way. Yeah. Yeah. SoundCloud is so on point with that no, algorithm. I, absolutely. Man. Yeah. And the same thing yeah. with, with Spotify and Apple Music and all the playlists and curators. It gives you, it's so easy to have access to so many different genres. And then it's kind of like, you know they can they can throw one in there that's like a gateway drug. It's like mm. okay, this one's halfway kind of rocky a little bit, but if you click on it and find what other playlists are on, then you'll get into the all all the way rocky stuff. You know what I'm saying? Or or this one's kind of trappy, and vice versa. It's like they they kind of can slip in those little things that are gonna steer you down a different rabbit hole. That before you had to you know I'm gonna walk in, I'm gonna buy this album and. I'm going to listen to the songs on this yeah, album. You're, you know? de- you're limited to one exactly. thing. Exactly. Now you can or, or the radio. That, I mean, that was, those were the discovery platforms, you know, but now it's it's completely different. And I think it's I think that's good. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think we're, we've kind of spawned from that way of thinking and that, that way of, of consuming music as well. You know what I'm saying? Because we do, literally, we try, we, we take influences from everything and it's not intentional. It's just because that's what we're listening to. You know what I'm saying? No time to play Won't hesitate when I'm diving in Swimming so deep in your water Vision blurry, vision blurry We're going on to people Drowning for the weekend I don't need a reason Put it all 
And I, I believe, uh, Dante, I think you guys put out like a, a statement, like a letter on your right, Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote a letter that you posted online and you said, our idols are aging. This generation is hungry for new visionaries. Mm-hmm. Can we have idols now in this new age where everything's fragmented, where like, you know, you know, if we think of our previous, like the Kanye's or whatever, like they came up still when everything was traditional media or mm-hmm. whatever, or is it, do we, or is it more like our idols are now personal to us? Like you can choose your idols or whatever. Um, I think that the notion that that idols can't be can't be born out of this era is is flawed. It hasn't necessarily happened yet, and it and it is because of social media. But I'd also think that it's still very possible. It just takes the it takes the people who are going to put the work into the art to make them into an idol like I, and I, and i you know idolatry only comes from you know from everybody else the other nobody intends to be an idol you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying nobody intends to be idolized you know it just happens when whenever you make something that really resonates with people and makes them look up to you and and when you inspire people and I, that's what i was touching on on the letter a little bit too is like we all have that power we all have the the ability to to make something whether it be for for tech or whether it be art or whether it be medicine, whatever it is, we all have that ability to to make something that that can change the world, that can inspire people. So I, that's what I'm, for me is what I was a little bit touching on when I made that tweet and when I wrote that letter was saying that it's not it's not a foreign concept that, that we can still ascend to that those heights. Like it's we all can. It's it's within us. You know, I'm, I'm, I get naive sometimes. And I think like we all have a gift that's that could make us. I, I say a million dollars, but the impact would be way greater than that. But I feel like each person has that gift that can really have an impact and really, you know, make them someone that people are going to remember. So I want people to always remember that about themselves too. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys are trying to accomplish. Exactly. 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 Uh, and continuing on that letter, you said, I grew up in an era when an urban artist was an intimidating intellectual presence, a raw extension of black culture, unafraid of the judgment that came with fame. Right. Are we, is that happening today when you look at the horizon? It's coming back. It's coming back. But I, I, I've, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm ranting. <laughs> no, but keep going no, in, bro. I'm, um, it's, I feel like it's coming back because you see a lot more positive artists that are coming up and speaking up about you know things like that but i'm also very aware that you know a lot of a lot of the artists that are being um being propped up right now are sometimes i question their intentions for the culture you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying whereas back in the day it's like you know you had tupac you had biggie you had or or, or jay-z or nas like i always looked up to jay-z and and he was commercially successful one of the most people's favorite rappers but he was smart you know what i'm saying he wasn't a clown he wasn't a goon and somewhere along the way, I feel like there's there's been this kind of, and I I don't know where it comes from. Like get yours mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And and also it's like, I sometimes I question, where who's propping up certain people. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's like I'm, you know. In the way those people are portraying themselves and portraying the culture. Exactly. You know, yeah. we're we're black men. You know, and, and there was a very very long time that. 
as black men in America, we were portrayed a certain way as as like a clown, goofballs. It's like goofballs, clowns, and minstrel yep. shows, and stuff like that. You know that that barely had half a brain and was there just to entertain. Mm. And I'm I'm aware, and I think that a lot more people are aware than than you know people want to let on. So. That's that's just my my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I'm, the fact I'm, that I'm paranoid sometimes. Some of those people, <laughs> some of the people that are being propped up, propped up right now, are sitting there and portraying themselves the same way that we used to get portrayed back in the day. They're, they're not. You're not utilizing your platform to make us look any better. You're you're enabling those people to continue to clown our culture. You know what I mean? And which is that's that's another problem that I have. You know what I mean? You have a platform to really inspire and really speak on some real topics, but yeah, you choose to portray yourself in our culture in that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, is is part of the people though? Like, let's let's be honest. If we look at what's popular, mm-hmm. it, it is some of those things. But looks like the masses are buying into it. Yeah, which is they they are even scarier. Right, yeah. like it's it's so much easier for you know a rapper who's not talking about anything to rise up to commercial success than somebody who's actually has something to say. Exactly, like that artist who has Backwards. something to say takes them longer, and they're probably stick around longer and make a difference. But in the moment, for that however many time, that artist who doesn't say anything, it's so much quicker to, for mm-hmm. them to get there. Well, and that and that's that's another thing I touched on when I wrote that letter was that. I don't I don't think that that's what the people want honestly. They keep saying it's oh it's reacting it's popular, it's popular blah, blah blah it's what the people no, I I believe that the people want something a little bit different. You know, and I I believe that it's just about presenting it. It obviously has to be quality, you know, cuz at the end of the day it's like Tupac, he was a he's a legendary, you know, idol for a lot of people, but he also made great music. You know what I'm saying? So you need to make the music needs to be great. But at the same time, we still have the opportunity to where if, if there were certain artists that came out and wanted to be more more outspoken, that people would embrace them the same way they embrace anybody else. You know, and I, I, that's just something that I believe for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, for the, the creatives who are listening to this conversation in our podcast as well, too, um, I want to... Um, I want to know what challenges that you guys have faced because it seemed like your first meeting in LA, you're in a room, Frank Ocean and Katy Perry, and right. like everything so far seems like it, it was with with ease, and it may not be true. What are like low points that you guys had in this industry and like things maybe frustration or maybe I want to quit or I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? When am I going to get there? When am I going to blow up? Any conversations have you had like that well, with yourself and with each other that you'd like to share with us? For me, it goes yeah. it goes back even farther than before. The industry thing even started. Okay. You know, high school, middle school, for me, I was that one kid, man, I, I was bullied worse than probably most, you know what I mean? If you think of the one kid that was in, in your school that got bullied, that was like me times 10. I got to the point where, you know, it was, I, I fell into like a depression. It was all that, like it, it was really bad. And I would come back home and because I tried to mask it so much, my parents didn't really get a grasp for how bad it really was. So they thought I was, I, everything was fine. And I never really even had the guts to really tell them how bad it really was. So all throughout middle school and high school, man, I was ostracized and tormented for a long time. And I didn't, I never really knew why. You yeah, know, I was it, it why? Made, like, it, is this in D.C.? This is in Maryland, yeah. Maryland, okay. Yeah. So it's not like you're only a black person there, obviously. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. But, but um, I never really under, understood why. And it, and it, and it, helped, and it made me kind of struggle with self-acceptance. And it made me kind of try to 
switch who I was every, you know, I was really trying to figure out who I was, you know what I mean? Like, because like, why is everybody, no matter what I'm doing, nobody's liking me, like, why? You know, why me? You know what I mean? But that's one of the things that music really clarified for me. It's helped me figure out who I was. You know what I mean? As a, It helped me find my light. You know what I mean? That's why That's why I hold it so dear to my heart. That's why it's not just a check for me. That's why when people out there are clowning themselves up there in front of the... That's what really bothers me because music is really something to me. It's, you really have something to say. You know what I mean? You can really speak your mind as far as what you're going through in your life to maybe inspire somebody else who might be going through the same exact thing and may not believe in themselves and they might be getting bullied or they might be... People might be making them, them feel like they're not good enough. You know, you... We have the the power to influence somebody like that who's going through it, who might want to give up on themselves, to really, really change their mind. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so powerful for me. Because if it wasn't for that, I don't. You know, who knows? So since it basically saved your life in a way, yeah. It doesn't matter what BS you go through. It's like it's so much deeper. It's and so much deeper for me. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so much. Yeah, it's really. It really helped me find who I was and gave me a second boost. Of belief in myself and that's what the new religion is the new religion is an, a religion religion at its core it means something that you believe believe in right and the new religion is the belief in yourself hmm thank you for that and yeah. and, and you dante well i mean I, th- I think that was definitely something that me and drew both connected over it was you know we've both been through a lot in our lives um but I guess specifically in the, in the industry, man, is, you know, one, one thing for me is like, I, like you said, I had a lot of success early. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I was actually a little bit bothered, but that I had success that early and I had to try to follow it up. You know what I'm saying? I didn't necessarily know how to follow it up. So for the long to this day, because you're a Grammy Award winner, like, right? And 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 the Grammy and yeah. the plaques and all the awards that I've won for yeah. for the f- first few songs I got are in a closet because I didn't want those to be my only plaques that I ever got. So you know, it it, it definitely was kind of bugged me for a while to the point I got I got very negative and and uh, particularly when I got to like a, a a lower point in my career, I felt like I was going to be defined as like the guy who did the Kelly Clarkson song. You know what I'm saying? Which nobody, I mean, obviously it's a great accomplishment or whatever, but, you know, I was felt that I had a greater calling, you know. Um, but th- that was when there was a, a very specific day that, like, I was like, you know what? The sessions aren't coming in like they were, you know. the I, I got these awards. I won a Grammy, but, like, am I doing what really, really, like, honestly what I want to do every day? So I just kind of fell back, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on becoming the best producer that I can be but with a very, very clear voice. I'm not going to try to do this for a placement and try to do that for a placement. I'm just going to really, really work on my voice of what I'm trying to do as a producer and make that my focus. Because, you know, when I met Drew, I couldn't, you know, it's funny. When I started the beat for Africa, it was because I was literally just sitting there by myself because everybody canceled on me for the entire week because I was like a D-level producer as far as the industry was concerned. So I just was making beats by myself. Like I didn't have any sessions, you know what I'm saying? So I think but those moments I'm 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 grateful for because I wasn't supposed to be doing that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't supposed to be doing those sessions to try to, you know, make pop stuff or whatever. I was I was meant to be starting the the, the to lay the foundation of where we're at now. And you know, so that that's something I tell the 
to anybody who's going through a low point is that, you know, the all the bumps in the road, everything, they're inevitable. But if you continue to work on, on yourself and work who you are, on who you are as a human being and as, as you know, whatever your profession is and put in the hard work every day and remain positive about everything, it's like it, you're better equipped to handle the bumps. You don't let them trip you up as much. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know they're going to come. Just the same way we, we hit bumps in the road all the time right now. You know what I'm saying? But it's like if you prepare yourself for them and you keep, like, a positive mindset, it's just like, okay, you, they don't trip you up as much. Mm-hmm. So. And the shot's going to come. The opportunity exactly. is going to come. It's exactly. Inevitable. Exactly. But if you, yeah. let, if you let the little, if you get tripped up or you, or you get mad about things that, that you know, you can't, that that happened to everybody. You read any success story, everybody had, you know, Steve Jobs got fired from Apple. You know what I'm saying? I had to come back, like, you know, with the boys of glory. So mm-hmm. it's, as long as you just keep that mindset, that's like that, like you're never going to get tripped up. You're always going to just keep going. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's that's what I want to tell a lot of our fans and a lot of anybody who's listening is like, you know, just just stay at it like no matter what stay at it like and, and know that not everything's going to work out but as long as you're still moving it will continue to still move it will continue and we're we're going to begin to wrap up our interview and i want to want to know what is inspiring you guys anything what's inspiring me right yeah. now is though we did touch on the 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 idea that there is some of that goofiness going on in the music industry right now there's a lot of really really good stuff that's starting to bubble to the surface and it's very promising like i said there's a lot of things to worry about in the political world and then just in the world in general there's a lot of crap going on but but there are some real visionaries and some real real musicians that are starting to surface and and speak their speak their mind and speak their word you know what i mean that's one of the main things that are inspiring me right now um and the fact that some of the some of the, uh, whether it be Canada, whether it be the UK, um, there's some people that are in those respective territories that are starting to get a lot more recognition than they, I guess, used to. You know what I mean? Um, Which brings more perspective. Yeah, it brings the, more perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, outward perspective from for you know American artists like us. Um, and and I just think I think the world is starting to unite in a, in a way. I mean, it's it's dividing, but in the same way. At the same time, it's starting it's starting to unite in in the in the ways that we need it to, um, and I think it's like I said, that's that's responsible responsibility to people like us, like artists, musicians, and artists of any type, to really really speak our mind and really really help people inf- influence people to to unite. You know what I mean? That's one of the most things that are that are really influencing me right now, really hmm. inspiring me. Yeah, no, that, I think Drew hit it right on the head. Honestly, just that um, you know, there we're. we're in the midst of such a shift as like a, the world as a whole politically um and 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 just just the general music that that's being made it's like the eras like this are like the time that legends are born you know what i'm saying the time that that people really step up and you see that person step up that that makes a difference it gets a street named after them or something like that so i think that's really inspiring to me it's just to see that how the world is you know i think there's a lot of hate going on but it was bubbling under the surface you know what i'm saying it's easy easy to ignore when it's just under the surface but now that it's kind of come to the light a little bit there's a lot i'm I'm encouraged by seeing how many people are coming up to fight back against it you know what i'm saying it really really mm-hmm. make sure that that this world doesn't go into the direction that it could go if we continue to ignore a lot of the issues and, and problems of society so I, th- I think that really uh that's something that, that inspires me every day is just mm-hmm. to see how 
more people educating themselves on issues, more people becoming aware of what's going on politically, and more people just just realizing that they that they have the power in their hands to really make a difference. Being woke, and exactly. uh, I remember when Pharrell he was saying like recently, like uh, after you know the president was was then you know he was going to be the president. He said you're going to see some of the best art coming out in the next four years. He's like, right. I know that for a fact already. Yeah, absolutely. and that is your responsibility as artists as well too, right? Like mm-hmm. to mirror the times and to like reflect what is going on. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, so you guys are going to be back uh, by the time this podcast comes out. You guys are going to be back in Toronto for Way Home Festival. Oh, I'm not okay. sure if you guys know about that. You're on that because oh, yeah, yeah. you could be yeah. so busy with your whole tour schedule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this festival is one. It's only a few years old, but it's gonna. It's like becoming one of the best festivals around here. It's like arts, culture. Like it's gonna be dope. So for the people, and that's happening July 28th to 30th in the summer tickets people can get that right now but let's talk about the live performance mm-hmm. when that person gets the ticket you know to way home festival and it's your time on the stage what are we seeing live on on stage what is a performance like from they energy 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 you know what i mean that's one of the main things that i've started to learn and grown um to realize is is the ability to channel energy you know what I mean, and and project it. You know that's one of your responsibilities as an artist on on stage now, because you got a lot of people that are out there doing their thing on the record. You know what I mean, but you come to see them live, and it's like, oh man, disconnect. You know, yeah. there's a big disconnect, and that's one of the things me and Dante harped on and made sure, especially in the auto tune days. Yeah, right, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's yeah, really easy yeah. to be lazy. You yeah. know what I mean? But me and Dante made sure that we were like, yo, with this 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 live performance. In my opinion, live performance should always be better. Than your, than your music, especially if people are paying all that money to go out there and see you. You know, they want to see something different. They don't want to see the same thing. So me and Dante definitely make sure that we have a lot of energy and it's dynamic and we, we have low points and high points and points that we really connect with the audience and points that we slow it down, points that we speed it back up and we're dancing around and throwing water. So it's like, it's it's a it's a roller coaster ride from start to finish and that's, you know, what me and Dante made sure that we spent time on doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I think we just want any live performance to be an extension of the music, you know what I'm saying, and, and the movement and, and the message that we're Whole trying to package. preach, you know what I'm saying? So I think Drew touched on pretty much everything I was going to say, but yeah, we just wanted to be an extension of, of everything that you hear on the record. It's going to be just as thought out, just as much of a ride, just as as dynamic as, uh, as the music is when it's recorded. Mm-hmm. And anything else that you want to say to the people who are listening right now that you know they you got their attention it's a vital time for you for for everybody in whatever respective field man follow your heart follow your follow your mind and don't worry about what everybody else is doing or what everybody else got to say about what you're doing if you believe in what you're doing you probably started doing it for a reason because your whatever your gut told you told you to follow down that path the path that's least follows is the path that lasts the longest just know that you know what i mean individuality it's the time for individuality it's time for people to step out you know what I mean? So it's time to be you, and it's time to be weird, man. Normal be is, weird. Normal weird is boring. Normal is boring. Right? Not normal cool is boring. Yeah. yeah. Normal is getting nobody is anywhere cool. fast. Weird is the new cool. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Day. You can catch them at Way Home Arts and Culture Music Festival, July twenty eighth to thirtieth. Get your tickets right now at wayhome.com. Subscribe to the Come Up Show podcast as we got way more interviews coming up. With Way Home Artists and Promotions, I'm really excited to be working with Way Home. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next Wednesday. It's your boy, Chetto. Peace. Peace.